Sustain 267. Welcome to the Sustain 267 podcast, where we host conversations on different issues affecting climate change in Botswana and the rest of Africa. I am your host, Patukili Siti. If you've been on social media and taken interest in environmental issues, you may have come across the hashtag Save the Okavango Delta being used by individuals, civil society organizations, and even celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio. So here's a bit of background. Recon Africa, an oil and gas exploration company listed on Canadian and German stock exchanges, has a drilling program run by an American fracking expert. Recon Africa currently has a license for more than 25,000 square kilometers of land in Namibia and Botswana to explore for oil and gas. This licensed area encompasses the Kavango Zambezi Transfrontier Conservation Area, and until UNESCO intervened, The area had also included Zodilo Hills, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. In Namibia, the licensed area is home to more than 200,000 people, most of which are from indigenous tribes and six locally managed wildlife reserves and conservancies. This is a wildlife-rich area that supports various endangered species such as African wild dogs, white-backed vulture, Temnix ground pangolins. Africa's largest remaining herd of savanna elephants move through this area. And on January 11, 2021, Recon Africa broke ground on the first test well in Namibia. There has, however, been um, quite a number of concerns about this license and the drilling that's to be done by Recon Africa from the communities there. And they are concerned that the activities of Recon Africa will be detrimental to the environment and affect both the people in that area and the animals negatively. Additionally, scientists have confirmed that the first oil drilling in Omatako River is very risky for local communities due to the community's reliance on groundwater. The communities rely on groundwater because surface water is quite hard to find and the shallow water table makes the groundwater that the communities rely on rather easy to contaminate. Additionally, the Omatako River feeds into the Okavango Delta, which is an oasis of biodiversity that has no outlet and toxic chemicals from oil and gas extraction operations may become permanent long-term pollutants. So, onto the governments. Both the Botswana and Namibian governments have been rather mum on the reconnectivities and only really started to speak out publicly when the hashtag Save the Okavango Delta movement started to gain traction and gained public interest. The Namibian Minister of Agriculture, Water and Land Reform on the 27th of November 2020 said his ministry wasn't consulted about the decision to grant a drilling license. But there is a silver lining. Recon Africa and the Namibian government say the development of a successful oil and gas industry will provide jobs, energy independence, community water wells and infrastructure. On the Botswana side, the Ministry of Mineral Resources, Green Technology and Energy Security shared a press release that they were concerned with the misleading information regarding the reconnaissance energy Botswana exploration activities in Botswana and in particular the Okavango Delta area. They did confirm that reconnaissance energy Botswana, Recon Botswana, was issued an exploration license under the Petroleum Act 
to explore for petroleum minerals in the northwest district of Botswana on the 1st of June 2020 for a period of four years. The ministry also informed that Recon Botswana is at preliminary stages of exploration that is focused on acquiring and processing information, analysis and interpretation of geological data, and the commissioning of the environmental impact assessment and getting the necessary approvals prior to carrying out any drilling activities. The press release concluded by stating that the government of Botswana has stringent mining legislation which requires appropriate and best international practices, including environmental protection. And with that as a background, I thought it best to speak to the people who stay in that region and get an understanding on what was going on there from them. I spoke to two people, one on the Namibian side of the Okavango Delta and one on the Botswana side. First, from the Botswana side, I spoke to Haikemoto Satau, who has been a community developer for 15 years in the Hansi and Okavango areas. He's a member of the International Union of Conservation with a special interest in issues of access and benefit sharing, biodiversity and conservation, and human rights. He's a Masarwa from the Basarwa tribe, sometimes referred to as the San people, one of the oldest cultures on earth. Additionally, Satau is an MPhil natural resource management student and a researcher. I kicked off the conversation by asking Satau to break down to me what is happening in that area. Well, we are not sure of what is going on in the Delta currently. However, we, we, we found out through various platforms that there is a development anticipated to happen in the area. We, uh, we noted that a company by the name Recon Africa has been awarded or given exploration license to do fracking or what they call seismic survey. In fact, fracking is the ultimate work from the exploration, which is called a seismic survey. And from what we gather from various platforms, we have noted that the company has been given that exploration licenses to do their exploration in the Okavango River Basin. Um, much of the work is going to happen in Namibia, and we've heard from colleagues that it is already ongoing from the Namibian side, and eventually it will escalate into the Botswana side. We have noted with concern that fracking is uh, one of those techniques that involves injections, injection of millions of liters of water and thousands of liters of unidentified chemicals underground, normally using a very high pressure in order to create fractures in the underlying bottom rock. They call it shale rock, in which they the process in which they use to extract natural gas below the surface. There is a combination of uh, those advanced techniques whereby horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing were used to enable profitable extraction of the gas trapped in the low permeable formation. And as we inquire along various platforms, uh, we also noted that uh, to date, U.S. remains the only country to extract shale gas at a larger commercial scale, which led to a significant transformation 
of this natural gas industry. And in the US, they have dubbed it a, a revolution. This is a revolution because of the shale gas development. I mean, it's because of shale gas development, the, the shale gas development that has sustainability, I mean, that has substantially altered US energy portfolio, leading to low gas prices, nearly self-sufficient in terms of gas supply and direct benefits through a contribution into gross domestic product and improved input to tax revenues. We have also noted that other countries lag far behind US in this development with early exploration stages or production of small scale and perceived it as a future affordable source of energy and a road to imports independency. Uh, It was interesting to note that many countries are still struggling to investigate the potential economic, environmental resources and social impact of the process, I mean the extraction process, in which a hope to replace the U.S. gas revolution. This makes gas or shale gas a controversial topic in these countries due to huge ambiguity in estimation of these potential impacts. And we have noted that in recent years, China has initiated to develop similar development in gas industry and it triggered a vast range of questions regarding its economics and sustainability. It does not spare away UK as it is at the as it is at the limit of in initiating extraction where government hopes to emulate the US uh, so-called revolution and has even introduced a favorable tax regime to promote gas development. However, governments is government are confronted by strong continuous resistance and opposition from several stakeholders, including mainly public, local communities, and environmental organizations. So having that background, as we engage as development workers, it's quite interesting that our line, our, 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 our area is also at the threat of this upcoming development. We, we are worried that despite several years of exploration drilling, there were no commercial gas wells in Europe at present. We are trying to compare Africa or Botswana's, Botswana and Namibia scenarios to where the fracking development is assumed to be at, at advanced stage. But to date, after several years of exploration, there are no commercial gas, I mean gas wells in Europe at present. And fracking has also been banned in many countries, including France, uh, Germany, uh, Netherlands, Bulgaria, further limiting fracking explorations in at the European soils. There are no outright fracking bans in Canada, though the company is coming from there. Instead, there is a mix of explicit and de facto moratoriums 
due to either public outcry or lack of economic feasibility due to geology. The scientific literature we have studied suggests these risks are modest and manageable through proper industrial practices. If a proper industrial practices or models are followed, the risks are manageable. But according to the history, so fracking and where it has been tried, it has never happened. The problem we are having as community in the Kavango that at the advent of fracking, we are worried about air pollution and water contaminations, which are most resultant factors due to the toxic chemicals used in hydraulic fracturing. And the um, greatest concern we are having within the fracking sites. As you get into why the community is worried, um, when you first started, you spoke of, when you first started, you said that you are informed of these developments basically via rumors. There hasn't been official communication to members of that community, which seems rather odd if they will be affected. Usually, what would the procedure be? Normally, from the country perspective, Botswana is, a, uh, is said or is celebrated to be a consultative government. Botswana is a country whereby many stakeholders in development like this are involved. This includes community leaders, uh, NGOs, private sector, research organizations. And according to Botswana, the consultation process should be transparent and should be both ways, top-down and bottom-up. That's how Botswana presents itself in terms of how it creates awareness and engagement of the larger, of the larger part of its population. So we haven't seen that happening, and there is no official process in which consultations regarding this has been communicated to the community. Yet the state recently in its, 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 in its, its in press release indicated that, yes, they agreed they have given the company the Recon Africa exploration licenses. And that, of course, is something that is going to be done according to uh, how the policy informs uh, the process which is involved in, in the exploration. However, as communities, we remain, we remain skeptical though the government is, has provided a statement in which it sounded like things will be okay, let's not worry. However, from experience, well, we have a, as community, we get even deep, deeply concerned about fracking, as I said, because of its, from the background, literature background, where, what, where, when, where it happened before in other places of the world, and what other conservation specialists have advised about fracking. So we also have, as leaders in this process, we, we become even more worried because we know the challenges we have when it comes to, I mean, the reality or the real challenges that we have when it comes to consultation. We know the culture of the way, the real culture of the way of doing things, particularly from the government to the community. And in, the, in reality, has been top down. And as we were speaking and exploring with the community to see if they had been informed, we realized that even community were not aware, leaders were not aware. And at one side, the communities admitted that there is one uh, water point or 
they were not even sure whether when that part was drilled, whether people were drilling a borehole or some kind of some sort of exploration was or we, explorations were were made. However, the the, the, the message behind the the the, the, the source is that uh, the, the borehole has to be sealed because the water already, the underground water in that well leading to that, that water point has been contaminated. So we are hoping that it could have been one of the exploration work that has been already done in the, some of the parts of the country, which has resulted to uh, some chemicals or some kind of poisonous elements getting into the water, water sources. According to the, the oh. leaders, they said this borehole has been sealed already because of some contamination that they couldn't spell out on what level of contamination or what has been suspected to have contaminated the water. So that in, 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 a, in a nutshell, community uh, spaces spelled out that they are not aware about the fracking development or either exploration. And mainly it has been done by foreign companies multinational companies which are coming in. Uh, Botswana government has been so uh, has been like giving them free exploration licenses. And uh, that thing alone gives the fate of the process or the developmental processes that are going to be considered in the fracking process or exploration to completely lie on the hands of these multinational companies. And limited effort or technical advices would be utilized based on the, 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 the observations or the understanding of Botswana. Because so far, Botswana government has been so far accused of ignoring pollution risks to scarce water supplies that you already experience in the country. Botswana is running a risk by, by granting lucrative license to international companies to carry out fracking without anybody realizing the long-term consequences. Uh, I'm saying this citing from examples that the exploration work, uh, works that were done in CKGR, uh, one of the companies revealed that environmental regulations when they were doing this in CKGR were not being followed. And if for the to cite an example of CKGR, they were saying uh, in CKGR, what is being done is exploration that doesn't involve fracking. But people, sources on site during that time said the equipment we are using and the process that we are doing is actually fracking. So you see how the gap that exists between the controlling institutions among the government and the companies that were given these exploration licenses. This far, we have noted as community that there is lack of publicity and media scrutiny that has enabled the government, particularly ours, to forge ahead unchecked. Uh, one of them, Dr. Benson Mudie, considered who drafted the first official report on natural gas development in Botswana. And he did oversaw the drilling of the first exploration wells in CKGR. That, what he said, there has always been that possibility that we are going to pollute the environment, referring to the CKGR exploration then. So our problem in Botswana uh, and this, how the system works is so compelled to secrecy, lack of adequate and consultation, that lack of adequate consultation with, if, with affected communities or government not working with public research institutions for technical and ideological guidance 
before making major decisions and a government which cannot stop, be stopped by a public opinion or interest. Seeing as the CKGR project would be the most similar to this one, how has that project progressed thus far in terms of environmental impact, which previously, as you say, was said would not be a problem? We don't know. They were doing exploration because we don't know who made the assessments afterwards as, as, as to whether it has been bad or properly done. But from what we get from those company or officials from the companies, we would realize that uh, the, the, the fate uh, of the process strictly, completely lied on the companies as they were trying to drive best practice as companies. There is no devolution of inquiry or evaluation from the government liaised with the local partners, communities, NGOs, and other key stakeholders to evaluate and say, this is correct, this is working. You would see there is no case where I am giving an example of Africa where Freki was properly done. West Botswana, we have great success stories among develop, other developing countries where we have maintained maintained its our standing through an adoption of sound economic and environmental policies. So what I'm getting from you is almost that these companies that are working here, that are drilling here, they're almost a law unto themselves recommending their own best practices. Absolutely. 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 And I think even to come with the experts who are going to do the evaluation of environmental, environmental, most of the expertise lies with the company. I don't see Botswana or Africans initiating it. And I misplaced the narrative where I found that they say the figuratives. I stand to be corrected. I will, I will verify that whereby the Namibian government, for its example, was only 10% share. And in Botswana, there was zero share holding in the process. So the, the, the 100% shares lies with the company. So these are historic ideological errors. So... These license, this drilling would be happening. What would what would the benefit of the country be then? I'm totally I'm also asking myself that question, and trying to see uh, relating this to what uh, DBS or Debswana did in the alias its earlier stages, the gold mines its earlier stages, and where are we now, and why most of the proceeds coming from our mineral resources or mineral wealth has not made impactful benefits to the country and or the nation. Uh, I see us repeating similar trends of giving licenses, ownership, trying to attract investment and compromising the, 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 the economic benefit uh, or advancement of the country and ownership by citizen of the development. You will see that this is an example of whereby uh, our country is just giving this to reluctantly giving out the mining licenses to this com- to these companies and is when we are I don't know whether this is done because we wanted to attract uh, companies to come and uh, invest in our soils and we are yet to understand the government position because when we saw this first we tried to extend to because Dokavango is not ordinarily a fracking site or a fertile soil whereby ground whereby fracking exploration could be done. Ogobango as well is a host or a house to our biodiversity. 
and majority of the people or the communities who live in the areas, the proposed square kilometers, 32,000, 32 or somewhere 32,000 square kilometers of areas potential for, for fracking is the prime area for communal farmers, communal farmers and strictly depend on underground water. And if this, it will be a disruption of the entire livelihood. If they want the wells get poisoned, where are we going to send these people? If because um, the nature of fracking involves a lot of surface usage of surface water, where do we have the surface water? From the delta. No other place where we have the surface water. So you see, one way or the other, whether we say it's not going to infringe, I know they will dispatch environmental impact assessment team, they will say it doesn't interfere with the delta. It doesn't interfere with the biodiversity. However, resources that are used directly connect to the biodiversity we are trying to protect. But can't it be argued that with um, the drilling coming into the Kavango area, then people can be employed there, especially on the Botswana side, like you said, some developments are rather slow to get there. Can't it be argued that with that, then Botswana will be employed, Botswana in that area will be able to afford a better, possibly more stable livelihood because now if they're living off of the land, they are they're at the mercy of nature, really. If it's flooding, if there's a drought, will it not be possibly better for them to be employed by the drilling company. That is the deceiving analysis that we are waiting to receive. If I may ask you, uh, suggestions or rhetorics that say it will bring employment to any community, what employment? I'm saying that these are the some of the ideological errors, mistakes that we make. I'll give you an example, living example. When Basara were relocated from CKGR, all of us, but when we informed that they've been taken to civilization, 40 kilometers outside the game reserve in the bush, that's where it's civilization. And you and I are aware that civilization, I, the, the definition of civilization is getting to mainstream, mainstream uh, ways of life. And 40 kilometers outside the game reserve in the bush, you tell me what mainstream uh, lives are there. That is dislocation. Similar mistakes we are trying, we can say, we can repeat by saying people are going to get employment. What employment? The big machine operators are coming from nowhere we don't know. The chemicals, composition, how the process is run is a technical process. And I am here to meet with Batrano to advise me on who are competent enough to take up those jobs. Apart from being a security guard or a truck, ordinary truck, deeper, deeper truck driver. And from the community who are directly affected, how many people do we have who are able to drive those trucks? And we find that none of them even have a class B license. So it is deceiving to say that uh, the mining would bring in would bring in the employment. The employment which over 50 years the government has failed to provide its economy to its, 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 its people, given the outstanding or good uh, GDP. So what makes us convinced that the fracking will suddenly uh, dramatically change everything to, 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 to a Garden of Eden? That is valid. What can make us think that the way to Eden is 
to cut down the trees and to bring out the oil. Was there even oil in Eden? But clearly the community is against these developments. But communities, let me say, let me put this one straight. Communities are confused with the little information they are getting. Community could be easily, is one of the population that is easily, uh, easy to manipulate because they only see what they, you are telling them. Their level of engagement, I've been a community development for the past 15 or more years. And I know the community challenges as much as the government know it. And yet we have failed to address it or to meet, to, to come up with a common and ground in which we can endeavor or pursue the development. We have been having controversial views in terms of when it comes to to, to developing your own community. Okay, so let's not say the community clearly doesn't want this, but let me then say, seeing as the community is confused due to the lack of information from government and those who are currently involved in this deal, are there things that the community does want and would have preferred as developments in that area? Are there developments that they're better informed about? And if they had the choice and had the agency to tell government what they want, are there developments currently on the table that they would like? If I get you well, preliminary findings revealed that there have not been adequate consultations, as we said, with the target communities. One. Secondly, although communities have proven to be stewards of their environment, they continue to be excluded from environmental governance process. That is the problem. That's where the problem comes. That thing already completely disconnect communities to a say, whether it is in terms of what they perceive as their own development, a developmental view, or contribute towards programs and policies that it could inform the development. There, the development priorities of these communities surrounding the area, they vary as one to, from one community to another because it's a multicultural community and they have been living their own traditional economies that has sustained them in the absence of the government development. Though some policies have uh, trembled over some communities' livelihoods, by disconnecting them in their process and where they would have able to, 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 to have informed the policies which is directed to what they term as their own development or policy imperative. As I said, consultation would give us an answer before the project development gives us an opportunity for the community to exercise their rights and make informed decisions regarding impending developments, which may or may, 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 may negatively affect their environment and environment and their, their what do you call it, their economic well-being. This violation of community rights, I call this a violation of community rights, uh, and it can also be attributed to little knowledge by the affected communities to intervene in environmental governance processes, either at development or implementation stages. This gap then requires you and I and all the project developers and the government officials to conduct proper consultation with the affected communities about the development in order to determine to determine which priority areas per given community is feasible and sustainable. Not just feasible, but sustainable. Further, communities require training in environmental governance so that 
they can effectively engage in the processes and contribute meaningfully, without which would be repeating. It is a vicious circle of trying to arouse communities' ambitions and hope, and gradually they get disappointed and disgruntled. This issue of environment or environment community-based natural resource management and then their relative areas has been the documents that have been generated mostly in Botswana, a way which some countries in, uh, in SADC have benefited from. To mention Namibia, Namibia adopted Botswana's CBNRM program, and it has progressed quite well, and communities are getting the proceeds based on issues of priority and equity. In Botswana, we say equality. We do equality, whereby we do we say we say it is inclusive. There is nothing like Masara, Masara, Mohela. But you understand, but the bottom line is, in development, uh, we talk about equity, not equality, because equality without equity, we refer to it as exclusion. That last statement was so brilliantly said. I, I won't even continue with it because so many th- you highlighted on so many things that we should be thinking about, not only with that development, but as we develop anywhere across the country, anywhere across the continent, we keep talking about equality. But should we be pursuing equality or equity in anything that we develop? And then as we as we um, wind down on the conversation, considering what has been done so far, is there anything that we as people who are not in that region can do to help? So we as people in the rest of Botswana and Namibia, we as the continent, we as the rest of the world. Yes, please create a platform for communities to share experiences, plan and coordinate actions against or along oil and gas uh, development in the Ogabango Delta. Uh, or secondly, Please build a community support for low carbon policies and development pathways and propose actions for environment, uh, environment conservation and sustainability, including the green economy. We want to be respected. Please hear our voices as community. We have our own plans. Are we stay willing or ready to listen to our plans? You go to those communities as I worked with them and ask them. They have their own plans of development on how they could for uh, proceed because their traditional livelihood is an economy on itself, it, it, which does which just need uh, uh, priority and stimulation with resources for it to prosper. There's a lot of knowledge that community are having, which could be one of the options of development. And we are asking hear our voices and come so that we show you what we have that you don't know. In case you are running short of ideas on how you think we could be developed or how we could better work together in this, our development journey. Come, hear our voices, and let's see if we will continue to speak the same language after 50 years. Next, I spoke to Max Muyamburuku, the chairperson of the Kavango East and West Regional Conservancy and Community Forestry Association. The community concession he runs is under Recon Africa's drilling license and the Kavango River is his community's source of water. We've been hearing Save the Okavango on social media. We've been seeing videos on YouTube. We've been seeing activists talking about it, but from someone on the ground, what is going on? Currently now, as I'm speaking, 
I just heard that the Recon Africa is moving to the second site, and that site is under Kapinga Kamari Conservancy at the community called Mbambi. And he, they started drilling in the 11th of January at Kawe village or Kawe communities and Kawe community, community forest and Kapinga Kamari conservancies. Yeah, Recon Africa uh, came into the region and he did consultation with the governor and the and councillor and the specific traditional authority who is under uh, under Shambu tribe where Mbambi and and Kawe fall. Yeah, when we heard of this uh, uh, matters. Me personally, with my team, we went to get people on the ground to hear their views if they have been consulted by Recon Africa. What we found out is out of eight villages that Recon Africa targeting to have wells that they are, that they are going to drill, is only two villages that they have consulted. And to make the matter worse, the consultation was only started from, uh, yeah, from 20th of January 2021 up to 26th January, while the drilling started on the 11th of January. Is this 2021? Yes, 2021. They, uh, they obtained all legal documents first and they were they transported them their materials and other machines and their human resources at the site. They were even started drilling already in the 11th of January 2021. When they saw people now are asking how did they inquire the land, so, and when we also the association come in and wrote a, a, a letter to the governor for urgent meeting so that we can get clarity on what is going on on the ground. It is when Recon Africa, through the governor, uh, invited to come and start with the awareness meeting on the 20th of January. Uh, the feeling of people on the ground, the communities. We went to Hamwei, we went to Muni. Recon Africa have never went there to have a meeting with them. We went to Mutwe Wambahe, we went to Shakambu, we went to Mbambi. There is no meeting that was held by Recon Africa. They only had meeting with the Kawe and the half of Naute villages, only two out of eight villages. And people, they are not uh, happy as they have seen that the uh, Recon Africa, he just uh, took a shortcut that led to some of the community 
to lose their cropping cultivation land due to recon Africa activities that are taking place in the region. You started with um, talking about the procedure. Ideally, for such a project to happen, what is supposed to be the procedure that Recon Africa should have followed? Because you did talk about um, the governor and the communal leader being consulted and some of the villages. So ideally, how should the consultation go on? Firstly, when Recon Africa discovered in it, 2000, uh, 2006, 2007 to 2008, that uh, they are seeing some a uh, data that uh, they are there might be economical oil and gas in the region. What they were supposed to do after their research before for them to obtain a environmental clearance certificate. They were supposed to come to the people on the ground, the community now, not the traditional authority, not the governor, but the community on the ground. Because as I'm speaking now, governors far away with, from those communities, the traditional authority also at the palace, they are also far from where this activity is now taking place. They were supposed to have the view and input of those community or people on the ground about the project. From there, if if the community is happy, they were supposed to come to the advisor to tell them what they have been agreed at the with the community on the ground. From there is where the chief the chief advisor can give a consent letter to recon africa after that it is when the recon africa is supposed to come and to get the governor that this is the step that i went i went to the community on the ground and this is what uh, we have presented to them this is the attendance list this is the the, the minutes for the, the meeting and this is the decision that made and I come to traditional authority at the tribal office. I I met a person A, person B, person C, and they also give a blessing to the wish of the community on the ground. From there is when they were supposed to start applying for environmental clearance certificate. But in Initially, what they did, they just consult the tribal office people and the governor. From there, they obtained their uh, certificate in 2015. After that, last year's when they started bringing materials in December, and that is the time when they, they first meet just one village, and they were. They went there with the, the, the aim of giving them food and telling them that we are giving you this food because of COVID-19 and we, will, we are planning to come and have a meeting with you to tell you about the oil and gas drilling in these areas. 
from there in December, they never went to meet the people on the ground. They only see or saw the machines transported to the areas. That is how we hear or we had the, we found the information that led us the association to wrote the letter to the governor that lead a uh, recon Africa and sit with us. And even to make things worse, those two villages that they had meeting, there were no uh, indigenous language that they were used, just on a recon Africa uh, consultants who was uh, presenting in English. After finish presenting in English, there were no translation, and even there is there were no uh, a discussion between the community and the the and the company. That is what uh, happened here. Instead of them getting a local people who can speak the language to translate the community on what is going to happen, but that th that part was not done yet. Okay, um, thank you for sharing that. But so moving forward, um, away from the procedure and whether or not, um, and that it um, wasn't followed, when Recon Africa talks about this project, they talk about the jobs that will come to the region, they talk about the wealth that will come to the region, they talk about um, GDP for um, the countries involved in this project. Why yes. are you worried? Besides the lack of following procedure, why are you unhappy with this? Why are you seemingly unhappy with this project going forth? Okay. As, as I'm speaking now, there is a, 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 a tate called Andreas Mawano, part of his crop field that he used to cultivate where he has depending for seven to eight years. Half of it is been uh, gripped by Recon Africa illegally without consulting him or asking him of that uh, part of uh, his crop field. And as I'm speaking now, the productivity that he's going to get this year, it will not help him to feed his family. That is one, one impact is already. And this, this indicating already that what will happen in the region if Recon Africa is going to get economically gas and oil in the region, meaning all people in the region who, who own land will not have the land or the right to the land. That is number one. Secondly, there is noise pollution that is already running. If you, because Mr. Andreas, he is within 200 meters from Recon Africa drilling sites, the one at Kawe. When you are sitting in Mr. Andreas' household, the noise, you can hear it, you can see people uh, that are working at, at, on this, at the site, and even you cannot hear each other if you are sitting in Mr. Andrea's home when you are discussing or you are speaking to each other, unless you have to sit very close and you have to speak very loud. Apart, uh, apart from that, there is a health hazard that are 
connected with the, the drilling of gas and the oil. It is also lead to environmental impact also, underground water also, and even as I'm speaking now, Recon Africa have drilled a borehole on their drilling site, but they are not drinking that water with the reason that the water, it, it is smelling something like, that is why they are not drinking that water. And they all, all along, they used to come to the riverside to fetch water that they are drinking, which means it is already showing that the, the water at the site that they are drilling, it is already have contaminated. And even the borehole of the villages people, it is uh, not more than 10 kilo. I think it is six or five kilometers already. I think that borehole also will be the next. All those issues. And when I met the, the, site, the site manager, he told me that there is a chemical that they used to put in the, 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 the hole. And that hole have to be filled with water plus chemical. And that water have to be pumped out. And when they pumped up, dig a sewage, and that sewage, they can't cover it. They just leave it open like that with that chemical water. And we know water, uh, water cycles, the water used to evaporate. When that chemical is evaporating, it formed acid rain. And when that acid rain, it formed, during rain season, when it will start raining, which means it is going to harm our ecosystem. And that also is an, a, a threat or an impact which people are, are having in mind. And even to make things worse, we have people who have been in South Africa working in mine, in mine and there were some people who worked in Swakopmund to make combat and they most of them they are away and even there is the people who are drilling boreholes also they are aware the impact of chemicals that are putting in that uh, uh, holes so that they can make the drilling very softy and that drilling that chemicals it can contaminate it it can contaminate water, and even it can cause a, a skin disease, asthma, as well as cancer. Mm -hmm. Those are, the, are what people have in mind. They tried, they, we were, I personally, I, I attended one Recon Africa meeting. They were presenting on the services that, they are go, that will be in the region, a job opportunity is, but as I'm speaking now, there are 50 uh, workers who is currently working in Recon Africa. Out of 50, only three people who is from Kavango. All those other people, they came outside Kavango. And it is already showing that this is not the job opportunity that they are saying. We are already uh, losing at the beginning of the project, what will happen when they will get um, uh, oil and gas? 
meaning there is no people here who have been uh, studied oil or geology, oil drilling, meaning most of those people, they will come outside. And us, the Kavango people, we will not get that job opportunity that they are saying. They are just sweetening uh, their, their stocks, but coming to a reality to amend it, they are not on that point. Going back to something that you said earlier, that people's land within the licensed area will be taken without compensation. Yes. Please expand on that. I'm, I'm rather curious because my thoughts would be if it's private land that I perhaps hold a certificate for or that I'm already farming on, it's then my land. How is it legal or possible for someone to come and take it without, without some sort of compensation, especially in, in the times that we're in now, considering that we're no longer in a colonial era where that was the norm? In Kavango, we are using customary land rights. And that right is also, it is under Communal Land Act of 2002, number five, which give provisions to people who lived there before the act come to, to actions. And that, that right is have been recognized in, in Communal Land Act and even in Traditional Authority Act. Whoever wants to come to live there or to do anything in that areas, there is a, a, a village headman or community headman within those jurisdictions. You have to come to them for permissions. If you do that, they can call you to order and even judge you. Yeah, that is the, the, the right that we have. And there were some ad, advertisement that Recon Africa did. They were just putting on medias while they know the remote communities, they don't have access to smartphone, access to Wi-Fi, access to network for them to see. Yeah, uh, uh, that, 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 that is the issue. Uh, on that uh, ad advertisement, they wanted people to put in objections, not objection, but to register to be affected and interested party. While they really knows that the people on the, on the remote area, they will not manage to access the, the, the information that they are putting on media, yes, on various media platform. Instead of them going to the village or to the remote areas, or using the locally uh, radio to announce that this is what is going to happen for a duration of this days. Yeah. And even to add on that, there were COVID-19 here, and there were restrictions of movement gathering. Now it is, uh, we are wondering how did they consult the whole five Kavango tribal uh, 
heads for them to get a blessing for the project that they are doing here. And even to make the, the, the things worse, in Shambu traditional authority, where in Africa now is drilling, their chief passed away four years ago. Now we are wondering now, how did they obtain the legally documents while at the moment we, the chief does, it is no chief in Isambu traditional authority. Those are questions. We ask it for them to give us minutes, to give us a attendance list, and even to provide us the document that they, or the signed document that they obtained from the traditional leaders. They are failing to provide those documents. I don't know for what good reason. Those are some very, very valid questions, especially as you're talking about approval from the chief who was late. Those are, those are um, very valid questions and I'm learning quite a lot that some I hadn't seen in the media as I was reading around this. But just to, to go off course, is it possible that the chief, because usually when a chief passes away, he is then succeeded by another chief, is it possible that they maybe got approval from the from the new chief in, in seating? Yeah, at the moment we they don't have a chief yet for five years now because the chiefship family they are still in conflicting to see who will get the the, 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 the throne. Yeah, at the moment as we are speaking now, still there is no chief who is official. Is will be the chief for Ashambu traditional authority. Thank you for that clarification. So back to the job opportunities. Earlier you mentioned that of the 50 people working on the Recon Africa plant, only three of them are from the Kavango area. Currently, what are the people of the Kavango area doing to sustain themselves? Maybe we're looking at three previously unemployed people who now have employment. And in future, Recon will continue to employ more people. Currently, how do people in that area sustain their livelihoods? Currently, we, Kavango, we depend in subsistence farming and livestock farming. Those are the only uh, main dependable source of food and income on top of that. The government now have come in and give the community the right to utilize a wildlife in sustainable ways. That is why the conservancy and community forestry forest now come into action, where also we have tourism joint venture and hunting joint venture. Those are some little part that are complementing on uh, subsistence farming and the and the livestock farm, farming for the Kavango people to sustain themselves for survival. Plus now uh, harvesting of some wild wild products such as devil's claw, uh, wild orange, firewoods timber for income generating source. Those are the only that we are 
having. And even I heard that the three people who were working there is they have been stopped, but it is still by here saying, that is why I'm planning to go there tomorrow and see if it is true or not. Then I will get a clear information tomorrow when I will be visiting these sites. Yeah, there's, it's, there's a lot going on there. Seeing as now we're bringing wildlife into the conversation and you have now been given permission to, to take advantage of the wildlife that's naturally in the area as a natural resource to bring income for the community. How will this be impacted by Recon Africa's project in the area? <laughs> yeah. Uh, firstly, uh, our most source of income is uh, trophy hunting. And most of clients, they are targeting elephant. And you know, elephant, they don't like a lot of noise and can chase elephants. And this, it will lead us, uh, most of the elephant will be going whether they can enter in your country in Botswana, if not Botswana, Angola. If not Angola, they can go to uh, Zambia or Zambezi. Yeah, that is the issue because we share elephants that uh, the corridors connections we connect with the Zambezi, Zambia, Kaza, according to Kaza map. Yeah, as we are speaking at the moment, previously there were more antelopes that we have seen if you are living around going to the area. But since Recon Africa came in, you cannot spot even a single one. We don't know, maybe it is noise and they scared or what are the cause of those uh, antelopes to disappear in the areas. And we think the more or the continuously driving up and down of tracks in the areas and the sound that they are making during drilling, all of those, they will uh, leave Kavango with no uh, wildlife. And even it will lead us also to have no tourists because the, uh, the tourists used to come here, some for eco-tourism. I can I can see how that poses a danger to to the area. So far in the conversation, we've covered the downside to Recon Africa coming to the area and the harm that it will impose. Considering that they are not at a very advanced stage of this, or of the, there are only two points. One, Recon Africa have to come to people on ground and he tell them what are the amicable solutions on this impact that will caused by drilling of oil and gas. And they have to assure people that the conversations will be on the tables 
and the people they have to have a opportunity to speak especially like the affected parties to speak to recon africa they have to have that right even though their human right was not considered when recon africa started every everything <clears throat> secondly if recon africa is not doing it as previously the government at a regional level they can just go to the people on the ground and to hear the view of the community and they have to to stop recon africa from progressing if he's not adhering to the needs of the community those are the only two points that i can see maybe we can balance the situations only those two do the communities in the kavangal area even want recon africa there because i think um for a lot of us considering the environmental impact and what we think will be the impact on people's lives who stay in the kavango area we would think we would think you don't want them there we would think but also we are looking from externally we are not experience we are not experiencing life the way that you are experiencing it so would do the communities in the kavango area want even want recon africa there they don't want recon africa they don't want gas and oil as the business that will uplift the livelihood of people in kavango apart from uh, oil oil drilling and gas they were suggesting if they can come up with a renewable source of energy and the green scheme those are some projects that they were the community are recommended because they are uh, they don't have any environmental impact yeah that are the feeling of the people they don't want dragon africa they don't want the gas and the oil uh, projects in kavango and then um the last question to end of our conversation what can we do to help we i'm talking about um the people in the area in the kavango region within the um countries affected including namibia and botswana the people in the rest of those countries so such as me in haboroni well kanya now but based in haboroni and the rest of the continent and the rest of the world how can we help you in this plight um trying to address recon africa uh there i will not uh, go much yeah at the moment that i have seen uh kavango is the poorest region and our people especially like the youth are anger of job opportunities it will be good first to give awareness to people so that they can aware what are the impacts of oil and gas drilling in the the region secondly uh, they have to uh, the government and other maybe who want to support they have to come up with the 
the to support the project which the community identify that this is the in environmentally free impact projects that they are recommending supposedly to be in Kavango. Those are uh, <coughs> their suggestion at the moment. So we'll need other investors with something more sustainable for the community to come forward. So let's yeah. not wait for those who will damage the environment to come in and then try and chase them out. Um, let's try and beat them to the punch, really. Exactly. Exactly. That is the look of things here in the, in the region. And there you have it from the people of the Kavango region. You may share information of the effects of drilling to communities and environment and bring attention to this issue by using hashtag Save the Okavango Delta on social media. Both Max and Satau are available for interviews. If you'd like to read more on what is going on in the Okavango, I've included links that may be helpful in the show notes. There's an extra three-minute conversation that I had with Satau on engaging communities that is available to Patreon subscribers on all tiers from as little as $3 or 30 pula per month. The Patreon post also includes footage shared with me by Max of the drilled areas. If you'd like to check these out, you can become a patron of Sustain267. The link is in the show notes. And in addition to extra content, you get to support the production of Sustain267 podcast. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's basically a platform where you can support creatives to create content. I've chosen this platform instead of seeking sponsorship so it doesn't compromise the kind of conversations that I can have and share with you. Thank you so much to the now 11 patrons who have made this episode possible. I am the host of Sustain 267 podcast, Bato Kilisite, and the sound engineer is Maleho Makhoti. Like our Facebook page, Sustain 267, we will also be sharing this episode and continuing the conversation. Once again, the COVID-19 pandemic is still on and gaining momentum in Botswana, across Africa and globally. Lives are still being lost. Let's continue to follow regulations so we and our loved ones can stay safe. Take care. Sustain 267.